Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast, where we take a deep dive into what makes coaches and leaders great. We're excited about our sponsor, Symmetry Turf. Symmetry Turf is a Texas-based turnkey sports construction company that specializes in building premier athletic facilities for schools, universities, and municipalities. Visit them at www.symmetryturf.com and check them out on Facebook. This is a Kingdom Coaching Podcast. Kingdom Coaching equips, consults, and represents coaches of all sports all across the country. Now for our host, Travis Wyckoff. My guest on this week's episode is Keith and David Mayer. Keith and David, who incidentally are father and son, wrote a book called Gold Dust. So this is my first podcast where my guests are strictly a guest because of their book. So I had Anson Dorrance, head soccer coach on at North Carolina, and Brent Deerman, offensive coordinator at Kansas. And both of those guys have, have, have written books. Anson has written three books. And uh, Brent Deerman has written one. Um, but I had those guys primarily on because of, of their coaching careers. Um, and so this week, again, like I said, it's a little different. This is the first one, um, purely because they wrote a book. So we discuss their book from several angles. We talk about uh, neuro-linguistic programming and how to utilize that in coaching. And we, we talk about really their big takeaway when they think of their book their big takeaway, which is this, which is connecting with your athletes. How can you connect with athletes? This book is um, was was shot up to the bestseller list in the UK. Um, it's a really good book. It has a ton of practical uh, tips and advice and pointers, just stuff that you can implement right away. Um, one other thing that I actually found really encouraging about our discussion uh, was when they talked about one of their mentors, um, a guy by the name of Dick Bate, and um, they just talked about how they articulated this gentleman was uh, fascinating. It just, it was, um, I love the way they articulated it and the way they, they uh, talked about uh, this mentor of theirs. It just, it clarified some things for me. So, um, yeah, really, really good conversation. I enjoyed these two. They're from the UK, one's here in the States right now. Do, their soccer background, and so we kind of bounce back and forth between football and soccer, but enjoyed the conversation with these two. So without further ado, uh, my guests, Keith and David Mayer. Very good. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Um, David, I know you're in Salt Lake City, and Keith, you're in the UK. I appreciate you guys taking time and, and appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to read your book and get a chance to visit with you guys. So Keith, I want to start with you. Why don't you walk us through your journey from um, high school to present day? Okay. Thank you first for inviting us to be on your show, uh, Travis. Uh, it's a real honor for us. So, yes, I'm, so as you rightly say, I'm from the UK. I went to high school and then uh, uh, I was very fortunate where I got a, a job before I left school. Uh, the the model's slightly different where you go high school, college in the States. I didn't do that. I went into full full-time football at a, at a professional club. And then I, I turned professional. I got injured very early. And then what do I do next? I, my dad was a builder. And even though I were playing professional football, we only did eight to 10 hours a week uh, training. And then what I do in the between is I was working on a building site with my dad. And so when I when I when it came to my decision to stop playing, or I got injured, I partially tore a medial collateral ligament. Uh, came back, and then I decided to go over to come over to the U.S. and I went to a two-year college in New Jersey called Mercer County Community College in 1981 and 82. And in 82, we uh, we won the national championships, which was fantastic, a wonderful experience for me. And then. Uh, what next? And the what next bit was has changed my life. I got into coaching, and uh, that's you know since presented itself in so many magnificent ways. Where I've travelled around the the world, uh, coached on six continents. I've worked for three professional clubs. Uh, currently working at Liverpool uh, Football Club at their academy part time, 
And uh, I also am a, a coach educator for our, our FA. Uh, I've been to South Korea and I also present and deliver or did deliver with a colleague of mine who the, the book's dedicated to a guy called Dick Bert. So, you know, football has is, is, is really uh, helped me to, to learn so much about myself. And even though I've been involved in the game 37 years, 37 years of coaching experiences, uh, the more and more I think I know, uh, Travis, the more and more when I meet people in these types of, uh, you know, uh, shows, I find out the more I don't know about the game. Hmm. Awesome. Before I get to David, Keith, talk a little bit about um, about Dick. I know he made an impact on you and, and he has a uh, little dedication in the book. I'd love to hear a little bit about Dick Bate. Sure. Uh, I mean, for uh, so Dick Bay was a is a soccer coach. Uh, he passed away in two thousand eighteen, and he had uh, he was a maverick, you know, a unique teacher and coach, uh, an exemplar in his field. And anybody that knows Dick and have watched and observed him in his presence will know that they've been the, in the presence of greatness. He presented on many of our the English FA courses he directed most of the courses he, he was an England coach and he uh, impacted so so many lives mine being one of them I'd known him for 35 years my 37 years of coaching and I uh, he asked he rang up one Friday night I'll never forget it where he rang and asked when I, whether and I was in Eng, he's working with the England setup and he rang to to see whether I would uh, whether I would work with him on a, on a personal level because nobody critiques the England, who critiques the coach, who, mm. who, who critiques the manager, who, can, who, who critiques the gaffer. And uh, uh, that was an honour for me. So when Dick passed away in 2018, we then, you know, the book, Gold Dust, How to Become a More Effective Coach Quickly, uh, it, could, it would be remiss of us not to actually add Dick in there. So we dedicated the book to Dick Bate. And ten percent of the profit of the of, of the the proceeds of the book go to the Giles Trust, the Brain Tumor Fund, that looked after my dear friend and colleague and many others uh, 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 in his latter days of life. So it means a great deal to us, uh, you know. The, other than having an additional impact and influence around the coaching arena and sport in general. You know, Dick plays a big part in my life and in many other people's life. When you say he's a maverick, explain that. Give me a picture of what you're talking about there. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, Luke, when, when we come across coaches, I mean, Luke, you're baseball and uh, we've got other coaches that are within the book that are from different disciplines. These people are a unique, they have a unique presence about them. You know that when they walk in the room, there's an X factor. Mm-hmm. They know they know, and you know they know. There is a, and then a, a real solid belief around what it is they do. They are very, they're intransigent in the way that they communicate and have really good core values around how to do and to deliver what it is they do. So, you know, the, the maverick in Dick Bear was he stood out among men and among many thousand of coaches across the world of all disciplines, each and every one of us will know someone that just stands out. You know, the pathfinders, you know, they don't take no for answers. They just do it. And they, they're a field expert. They'll go and gather and corral. They're on a mission to find information and to take us forward, not thinking about the present, what they do is they're thinking about what the future is going to hold, both for coaches and equally the athlete. So they're, they're a forward planner, they're a forward thinker, and they step and stride with a purpose. And Dick was one of those, Travis. Uh, David, why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sim- unbelievably similar to my dad's. Um, so I finished, at, finished high school at 16. Um, again, you know, I, at the time I got offered a, a full-time, um, contract scholarship at a, at a Premier League club 
at Wigan Athletic in Wigan Athletic at the time. Um, they were doing very, very well. So uh, spent time at, at Wigan, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, had a lot of injuries, which was really throughout my career. Um, so spent time, I played at Wigan, I, I played in Spain as well. Um, and then I actually, I had a, a moment where I had, the, I had the opportunity to move over to the States uh, and play in college, which I I did. I, I took that opportunity. I played at the University of Akron and at, uh, at UNC Charlotte. Um, learned a great deal. Um, and, you know, I, even after college, my, my intention was always to play. And um, I, I did, I, but not for long. Very similar to my dad, I got injured again at 25. I'd... At that time, I think I'd had seven or eight major surgeries, um, the last of which was was the deciding factor. I had hip surgery at 25 and retired, I've, and I've never played since. Um, but there was obviously a moment where, what do I do? And I'd grown up around my dad, who um, was coaching, and, and I was very fortunate to, to have access to, to that and thoroughly enjoyed learning uh, while spending time with my dad. Um, and even while I was playing, I was coaching. So when I actually finished, I went in, I took it more seriously, I guess, uh, from, a, from a full-time perspective now, because I wasn't playing. It wasn't just a hobby. It was something that I was actually doing as a living. Um, and that would, that's been for the past three to four years, full-time coaching. And um, I mean, look, I, I love it. I, I, I really do enjoy going out and, and impacting people's lives on a, on a daily basis. And I think as coaches, we're in a really privileged position to do so. And, and I, I'm grateful for that. Um, and then obviously the, the, the back end of the journey for, to where I am now is we, we wrote the book, um, which obviously came out in November, uh, the back end of November of last year. And I think that itself is, is, is another path. There's another journey going there. And we're, 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 Bono, we're both thoroughly enjoying that too right now. And uh, David, thanks for that. Um, share a little bit. You're you're in America right now, but you're trying to get back to UK. Maybe maybe give a little insight onto to the specifics of kind of what you're doing now. Yeah. So I um, after I I finished playing what I was doing, I I spent time at Manchester City um, coaching the with their their international academy. Um, I'd. Uh, I, I love being in the States. I love the college experience. I loved uh, my time after college in the US. And I actually got offered a got offered a, a job, got offered it a couple of times to to move out to Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, I, I took the job. Um, I actually got a got my full visa, a, a big visa, in November of 2019. The visa actually got accepted. Uh, when the first draft of the book was complete, which was quite ironic, um, how things work out like that. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm in Salt Lake City now. I'm actually working at a club that is is based out of Utah, is also based in the UK um, and based in Africa. So hmm. I was actually supposed to be back in the UK now doing a um, a bit of work for the with the club, and then also we were we were actually opening up another project in Asia, um, which was, I was actually supposed to be traveling out. I was supposed to be in the UK now and traveling out to Asia within the next few days. But obviously given the, the unprecedented and obviously very sad circumstances, that's not happened. Um, but I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm doing and I'm, I'm really thankful, you know, that I'm in a position where I've, I've now coached on four continents, um, at a relatively young age, I would say, and, and I've experienced a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures. Um, and I think there's so many learnings that can be taken from that. And the, the latest, latest one for me, I had a trip to Tanzania, um, working with a, a group of athletes there that, Travis, they have nothing. They, they, these kids will turn up. Some of them didn't even have shoes on. Mm. Um, they, they hadn't eaten they didn't know when the next meal was going to come and they turn up to they turn up to practice with a smile on the face and it really puts things into perspective where for me being there it, it, it hit home for me but also I had a I had a job and a, and a responsibility there to to give them an even better experience than they were already having and um, I think there's there's great learnings can be had 
from experience in those different environments and different cultures. So uh, let's dive into the book, Gold Dust, How to Become a More Effective Coach Quickly. And uh, I guess the first question is, why write a book? A good question. I started writing a book just on 16 years ago, and I couldn't get past the first sentence. Hmm. I was trying to justify, rationalize, you know, why I had the capacity or knowledge and understanding to write a book. So I never got, I never, in, I never went past that. I couldn't even break through the first sentence, <clears throat> excuse me, and then parked it. And, and then in May of last year, Travis, we're traveling back. From, I was traveling back from London. I've been on a course. David had been with me and I had to, you know, this, you know, real compassion to, you know, had to resurface the book. So I rang him up. David was heading back to the U.S., and I just mentioned to him, look, I'm going to write a book because I don't want to be dying with the book in my head. Mm. So I said, right, okay, I'll uh, I'll help you. And that was it. You know, the book then came alive. I'd sort of put some plans down in the transit in the in the period from traveling back from London to where I live, just a three hour three just on a three hour journey, and I'd put a plan down or a framework, but I had no idea where it was going to go. So, you know, I'm not being humble about this, Travis. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, all I've played in, and I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm mindful I've used the word football in hmm. football in the US is not what it is in the, in Europe. We call it, you call it soccer. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, in a position, I'd be like their quarterback, and I'll be throwing it to his wide receiver or his, his runner back. And, you know, all I did is just distribute the ball to David in the right moments at the right times. And his receiving skills were outstanding. Hmm. So, you know, there are many other people, you know, that have contributed towards the book uh, that will, you know, would mention during it, but there are, they've all contributed as well. And, so it started, you know, 16 years ago in, in May. Uh, it, you know, that was the idea. That's when, we, that's when I came up with the thought of regurgitating it. And then, uh, you know, David ran with it. We, we did our first interview on the 4th of, of July with a gentleman called Darren Moore. He's a Premier League, English Premier League soccer manager. Uh, a club called West Bromwich Albion now he's now at Doncaster Rovers and it kicked off 4th of July and then the book came out uh, published transcribed formatted front cover came alive can be bought on Amazon uh, and it came out on the 27th of November and on the 29th of December which a couple of days it, it, it became a number one bestseller Hmm. in the UK and it, it's it, it's held those positions for over three months you know it moves up and down now to the two or five but it's it's obviously it's in the sweet spot it's as I say it's not a it's not a soccer book it's a sports book that have many principles and techniques and strategies uh, that that'll there are you know you can you can cross over into many other sports as well and equally in the business arena. So, you know, that's how it came about and we're excited with it, but I, I couldn't have done it without David. Uh, you know, that, that is acknowledgement to take it on board and run with it and me just pass it to him. You know, I missed a couple of passes, <laughs> but when I ate him, he just, his receiving skills had been artfully graceful in his ability to, dissect and put into written form things that you know i i uh i didn't have the patience to to put down in writing so yeah david's been you know instrumental in in all of this and i i thank him for it but he knows that uh we know is it's a collective but you know we make a good team we're a good team it takes some beating this team david quick question for you yeah. well, how much did you learn as you wrote this 
book. I, 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 one of the, I think one of the great learning methods or one of the great learning loops would, would entail gaining information and then kind of processing and working it through, working through it and then teaching it and then um, reflecting and, and seeing what needs to be tweaked and then, you know, that kind of that loop. And I would think this had to be a great exercise for you. Like you're, you're forcing yourself to articulate and to write down what you believe in mm-hmm. a succinct manner and you're trying to format it. <laughs> How much did you learn through this process? I, to be honest, Travis, I think this was probably, probably the, the greatest learning experience I've had. Hmm. Um, and even though the beliefs and, and the techniques and the experiences that are within the book, um, I used and utilized beforehand to actually be able to, like you mentioned, to break them down to a point where people that, that maybe aren't aware can, can read and understand is, I think, and there's obviously the quote that genius is, is the simplicity. And I mean, there were, there were several learnings. One of the big ones for me was, um, if you want to get something done and you, you, you truly believe that there's something to offer, um, you've got to get after it and you've got to work hard. And, and I, the actual writing of the book was a difficult process. I mean, I, I've never wrote a book. Uh, neither of us have. We, we've never published a book. Uh, we, we, all this, the design in the cover, the whole thing from, from start to finish was, it was a learning. It was self-taught. We obviously had a lot of great advice along the way, but, we had to seek out that advice. Um, but I know when, when we had that conversation uh, back in May that we're going to write a book, that was it. The book, the book was happening. We didn't exact, we knew where we wanted it to go because we knew what we wanted it to be about. But all the process um, of how to get there, we didn't know. I, I, I was very unfamiliar with it. And, but in terms of the, of the content within the book, um, a truly incredible learning experience for, for me and, and for my dad. And there was a lot of, of research that I had to do where I would maybe, I'd be researching something and, and there'd be a light bulb moment of, wow, that that's fantastic. I, I really do like that. And I ended up looking more into it. And there were little things that, that were added into the book based on the research that was done and, and also based on the stories that, I mean, we, there's 12 people that feature within the book that are, that are world-class at what they do. They're at the top of the field and, and getting their thoughts, getting their views, getting their stories. Okay, why did you guys add um, the word quickly to the uh, subtitle? So again, um, Gold Dust, how to become a more effective coach quickly. I'd be curious to hear why you added that. Yeah, the, the, the word, I think the... I mean, the book is, it's not the, it's not a quick fix. You don't just read it and all of a sudden, after you've read this book, you just become this world-class practitioner. Um, but we believe uh, that there are, there are parts of the book, there are lots of different tri- tips and techniques that you could take away today after reading it and it will help you become more effective in that moment. Um, obviously, you have to apply it, but, but there are... I mean, coaching is a journey. It's a process. There's, you're always learning. You're always growing. Um, but you can also do things right now that in turn can affect what the end outcome is tomorrow or the day after. And, and I thought it was important that we added that in, that the people know, you know, they can do things. They can read something. They can apply it. And, and very soon after, they could see vast improvements on what it is they're doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I've mentioned, it's it's also a long process. There are things that take a long period of time. Can I add something to that? Uh, yep, uh, Travis. <clears throat> so, so when we came up with quickly, I feel that when we're coaching, we are we are doing things that are actually we there is a syntax behind success. I don't think we've currently got that, and I, I, I think we can get from A to B quicker than what we currently are doing. So the book has got strategies in it. It's got, a, it's got examples not just from ourselves, but from field experts that have worked at international level and across what we call grassroots, you know, the amateur 
uh, game as well. So this, the word quickly, uh, how to become a more effective coach quickly was there are strategies on there, in there, even though, you know, when you're actually working with an athlete, you're not going to get a, an international athlete when they're under eight. When they're eight years of age, you're not an international athlete. You're not. It's a journey, that. But it's the syntax of how we work and communicate and connect with the player. And the book's about connecting. It's how we connect with another soul and, and engage in their life. So it's, it becomes... You know, they're, they're part of this journey. We're part of their journey. They're part of their stakeholder family. So the word quickly was, well, let's get there quicker than what we're doing. And what we've mm-hmm. got in here in the, in the chapters that, are, that take people on journeys, it's their journey. We won't, and I think it'd be wrong of us, to say it is the, the strategies and, and techniques that are in the book are, are not, they're not the only way to do things. They're not, but they certainly help. So there, are, there is a syntax behind that. And so when we're actually designing and working with players and, uh, and designing a practice for a player to be a participant in, is are we coaching the session? Do we coach sessions or do we coach players? And I'm going to leave that one open. Mm, that's good. Because I know where I lie with it. So quickly, yeah. let's get there. We mess about. We're not on the planet long. So when we're actually coaching, we rock up and we, you know, you get your ball, your bat, your mitt, your football, you know, your pads, your soccer ball, your tennis racket. What are you thinking about in terms of your practice design? And does that actually fit your, does it fit your playing model? Does it fit the player? Does it fit the athlete? Where are we doing it? Because it says on chapter five, because we're following what chapter four says. And sometimes you'll know, and we all know that, Let's get there. You might be able to get to chapter five, chapter 10. It's a psychosocial book, Travis. It, this is about connecting with the soul and where we truly get to get to know the athlete. Yeah. One of the threads that I have just picked up throughout the book, and you, you mentioned it early on, but I, I see a thread throughout the book. And I'm curious about it. Uh, the neuro-linguistic programming or the NLP. You guys mentioned it several times, and I, I just I, I get a sense of it working through the book. So, would you guys maybe give a uh, like explain why that made it into a sports book? Language is something we use every day. We can't, uh, you know, we cannot not communicate, and so you know, neuro linguistics is is the uh, is using language. Pretty much, it's the structure of subjective uh, matter. Uh, it's basically following excellence or modeling excellence. It was based on that. I'm the co founder of that, Richard Bandler, who's a, an absolute genius. Uh, I don't use it lightly. He is a genius. I've come across a lot of people in my life, and I'm not a follower of many people. And now that I'm a follower of Richard Bandler, by the way, it's a, it's a model of communication. And uh, in both David and I are master practici- practitioners of neurolinguistics. And, you know, we've never been asked this question, incidentally, Travis. We, we don't use the title. I, I think it frightens people off, and rightly so. But effectively, it, 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 you know, it, in essence, it's just, it's just using language and embedding commands and embedding questions so that the recipient is coming out the end, coming out at the other end, uh, freer and, and, and allowing them, you know, the opportunity to realize both their potential and their ability. And they don't even know why or how it's gone on. It's come, it's gone through unconscious, uh, unconscious language where you can, where we can use that. But I'm curious of what it would look like specifically. Yeah, I think Travis, one of them, one example of, of something that I would use, uh, would be, you know, players, uh, people, they'll have limited beliefs around what it is they can do. Um, it is solely just that. It's a belief. It doesn't mean that it's true. It, it might mean that it's true to them right now. Um, but it can, it can be changed. And as a coach, if you're aware of the language that's used, it gives you the ability to, 
to then change or break that limiting belief that, that the athlete has. And one one thing that I would listen to and look out for, and, and one example I had from a, a few weeks back, I had a, a player that, an athlete, he said, I can't, I can't do that. And straight away for me, um, that's his belief. That was this, this boy's belief that he couldn't do something. Um, he could do it. I knew he could do it. It was just his belief that he couldn't because, and that might be what he's been brought up around. He might have been brought up around people that, that have told him he can't do something. I don't know. But my job in that, in that scenario was to, to break the belief from I can't do it to, yes, I can. And, and it's not to say that in that exact moment, that at the moment he does it, he's all of a sudden world-class at it. And, and the, the, the little example I had, there was a, a boy that he, he was right-footed, so he used his right foot and didn't use his left. And the, he had an opportunity to, to shoot with his left foot and he didn't take it. And I, I asked him, you know what, why don't you use your left foot? And he came back and said, well, I can't. So straight away, that for me, that's the trigger. Oh, okay. you can't use it. For me, if you can't, the only way you're not going to be able to use your left foot is if you don't have one. And, and this boy was able to use it. So straight away, I said, oh, you can't use it. And I said, there you go. There's a ball going in that with your left. And he chased onto it and he hit it, hit the ball. And it actually, he actually scored as well. Um, and he came back to me and I said to him, I said, you know, you, you've just told me that you can't use your left foot. Um, but I just saw you use it. So you can use it. And I'm OK if you if you use it. And maybe right now it isn't as good as you want it to be. That's no, that's OK. I have no problem with that. But we'll work on it and I'll work with you. Um, but just know that you can use your left foot. And, and I think it's really important that we're aware of that because... Again, like I mentioned, that's a, it's a limiting belief that he has around something that this boy had. And, and my job as, as a coach is to, to break that belief, to help him grow and to help him be even better it is at what he does. Keith? Travis, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If I've got some information that can help you become even better at doing what you do, would you be interested in finding out what that may be? Absolutely. That's a question you'll ask your athlete. So what you're doing, you're in through, through language, you uh, were using words to actually take people on a journey. And by the choice of the syntax of the words that we use can actually open up portals of the brain. So by physically just asking, asking a question, it's then opened up some representational system within where you're going, yes, so all we've done is we're just getting, we're getting compliance. So, so the question that I've asked you would be a question I would ask one, an athlete, would you mind? And first and foremost, so what, we, what we can do as coaches, we go in and we don't, we're actually giving information or like when we're, you know, my dad and he come in and he gives me advice. And how many times have you heard the same story from your dad? This, I've told you, you shouldn't be doing this. Or, and really, we're not. We're, we're hearing it, but sure. I'm not accepting that because we're getting advice when we least require it. Or re so when you ask them and open up, we're opening up a file in the brain, which, which goes that open, help, yes, here it is. What, we're then ready for the next question. You know, we're ready for what that might be. Uh, so, that, so that's one way uh, where language and then, there's something which is called a pattern interrupt. And, you know, for example, in all sports, particularly when you're working around the youth uh, setups where you're going to get a young player and they get injured or they go down and they start crying. And, you know, we've got to break that state quickly. You know, there's two pains, isn't there? There's pains where you, there's a pain with it, physical pain. And then we need to address that. And then there's emotional pain where they're just crying because of the shock. So we, we've, got to, we've got to be receptive to, is it a physical pain that we need to go and or, or sort them out? Or is it an emotional pain of which we then need to interrupt the pattern quickly to get them back to you know, a, a resourceful state? Because it's a drain on resource and a, a drain on time for a coach to keep going to one particular athlete who just has 
and history are just crying. They cry, just you know, they fall on the floor, they're crying, or somebody shoulder barges them in football, or they put a tackling and or in soccer where they, they get knocked on the floor and they're just crying because they want attention. Well, so we've got to be we've got to first check to see whether they're injured physically, or if they're not, we've got to we've got to break the stake quick. Because we're there on the floor with them, we've got another in soccer. Depending on you know, you, you can have up to twenty-two players on the soccer field. Uh, you've got twenty-one players that are still playing, and there you are who are waiting for your time. Because we've got one player that's not injured physically; they're just in, in, injured emotionally. So, you know, breaking the state very quickly, and an example for that might be, and you know, it, it's hey. Come on, get up, up. I've got, you've got five seconds to get up. Uh, oh, sorry, the question might be, are you injured? Are you hurt? And they, they say, no, that's an indication. You've physically been able to see whether they have been injured, physically see it. And then you get in, are you injured? And if you get an acknowledgement of no, it's an emotional pain. And then it's, right, I'm going to give you five seconds to get up. Do you want to play or not? Yes. You have five seconds to get up off the floor, otherwise you're coming off. Five, four, up they get. Now, we're not doing it to break any arts. What we're doing is we're getting them to break the state of the behavior or the thought process. And all we're doing is just, we're just breaking the wiring system. We're severing the wiring system. That's all. So let me ask you this, Keith. Let me ask you this. Uh, College athlete. So they're probably not, yep. college athletes probably not going to lay on the ground crying. So I'm going to set this up and I'd love to hear the pattern interrupt how you'd go about it. College athlete, uh, whether it be a baseball player who's O for his last 15 or a basketball player who hasn't, can't, can't hit the ocean just in a shooting slump and you're, you're heading in, you know, a timeout or between innings and you can see, again, they're not crying, they're not like sobbing, but you can see they're not right. They're not hurt, but they might be emotionally. There's something's wrong with them. What would? How would you use a pattern interrupt in that scenario? Yeah, Luke. Luke, putting a framework around it, but generally, sure, generally, sure. generally. So need more context to to, to right. sort of buff this. But overall, it would be change the state, change the actual. Uh, Change the 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 the, uh, the context to it, and it might be, hey hey, cut you quickly here, pay attention, and and really we're either shocking them because they're not used to that, and it's not for anything else, but they're not used to that language. It's doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. You're drawing their attention not towards it is to you to shock them to you to listen to it and then when, once once it's all settled down and you've broken and severed that wiring system and then what we then need to do travis is we need to replace it with something of greater importance and that that greater importance that something of greater importance is an acknowledgement of something that they've done positively so it could be after they played can i have a word with you one on your own listen I got to thank you. I thought you, you were in you 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 did X Y and Z, and I thought you were tremendous. You've acknowledged what they've done. You've acknowledged not what not the not the state that they were in. We don't acknowledge that. We right. acknowledge what they've done in advance of or in preference of, and they don't even need to know what it is because if we start asking questions about in negative or ask why you were why you did why you failed to hit the, the ball or why you failed to catch that ball or why you failed to make that pass why you failed to do it why the, the question why takes them further into a position or a place where we don't want them to be what we're going to do is give them something that they can think and strive to go forward it's a failing it's a coaching failure hmm. it does, I, I don't see the relevance of it we're going to tell them what they didn't do We've got a place that surely we've got to guide them and give them something that they can grab hold of and take it forward and grab the mantle and go and stride with. And the learning, because as coaches, 
is it an expectation that players or athletes have got the answers and we're, you know, we're yelling at them and you didn't do and all that type of nonsense. But yet, if we're just shouting at them, surely we've got to give them something that they can anchor on and, you know, get, get a grip and take, you know, bounding strides so that it's taking them away from where they were and taking them towards where we want them to be. And it's stating things in the positive without putting flowers in the mouth. So, so the pattern interrupt is breaking the state. And if you or I are on the phone now and my, you know, we're, we're talking and then my phone goes and I take the phone call and uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm on the, I am, I'm just talking to Travis. What it's done is it severed our conversation. Mm-hmm. I then come back to the conversation. It might be, uh, I forgot what was I talking about because mm. I've severed the wiring system. So, you know, in a, in a college context, uh, you know, again, the framework, I need a little bit more, but there are a variety of different pattern interrupts. And some coaches are unconsciously aware that they're very good at it. But if you know certain strategies work, then we can use them again and, and again. But, you know, we, 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 not one thing will work. If that doesn't work, we're going to try something else. So we can either shock them via pain, emotional pain or language, or we can shock them by, uh, you know, giving them something, something, some positivity. In chapter four, you guys um, talk about motivation. Explain to me to, uh, towards and away from motivation. I'd never heard that until reading this book. Yeah, so the the the, the motivation, um, the, the motivation chapter. It's interesting. It was actually added quite late into the book because we felt there was an a, there was an importance in that to to obviously provide um, stories and experiences around around the motivation and the, the, the towards and away. Um, so, so generally, uh, people are either, when they're, they're motivated, either towards something or away from it. So they react, they react um, based on where they're at at that, that particular time. So, um, I mean, a, an example of that would be uh, for me, writing this book, um, I was I was motivated towards completing the book. I I actually wanted to strive to to wanting to complete it. Um, you could have you could have athletes that may be motivated um, not by trophies, not by money. They could be motivated to get away from the hardships that they were brought up in with the family, and yeah. their motivation is to get away from that and and to get out of it and 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 i think as a as coaches we need to have a better understanding of the motivation uh, because if i'm if we have an athlete that is is motivated to to get away from what it is they've experienced or to get away from the hardships but yeah i'm just trying to say to them yep we've got this you know you've got to work hard because we need to win the trophy it might not relate to them they yeah. may not really have Obviously, I'm sure they're interested in the pots and the pans and and, and the monetary aspect of it, or, or or developing as as an athlete. But really, they they are doing it to move away from what they they don't want. Um, and and on the flip side, as an athlete, they could be they could be motivated by money, or they could be more. For me, I I I want to improve. Um, what I do on a daily basis. And I'm motivated by that. I'm motivated by learning, right. As a, as a coach. And, um, I think understanding where the athlete is at at the, the point in their life, understanding what motivates them, because when you understand what motivates them, it, it better enables you to, to push the right buttons. So the biggest message or the biggest indicator of success in a coach's message is, is in the change in behaviour of the athlete. So the, the towards will see a change in behaviour and as a consequence of that, will there'll be an evident uh, difference in performance. But we've got to calibrate, we've got to ensure that we're observing what's occurring in front because the, the uh, you know, that message that we're conveying 
will have an influence and we've got to ensure that that message and the behavior is going, taking the group and their team and the individual towards, you know, their common goal, their, their outcome, their outcome, which has got to align to the team outcome as well. That's good. Yeah. And you guys talk a ton about relationship, which I appreciate because I think that's, you know, when you start talking about motivation, there's zero chance to know what somebody's, what motivates somebody unless you start building relationship and connecting. And you guys did a great job on, uh, I think a lot of the relational stuff, the connecting, the calling people by name, just some, some small things that I think actually uh, are not small in the in the grand scheme of things. They're really big, but they seem like small things. So anyways, I, I, I appreciated that part of the book. Let me ask this. You guys are you guys are are speaking in front in front of five hundred coaches, and you have to ne- you have to bring the most important topic out of this book, and you only get to present one topic. And you've got a large group of coaches, so it's not like you got three and you kind of know them and you know where they're at. If you had to say, what is the most important thing that you would want to talk to coaches in general about from this book? What is it? For me, uh, yeah, for me, I would, I would go with, um, I mean, the book in, as a whole is it, it's based around the importance of, of building relations and relationships and the importance of connections. Um, but I would, I would go with the, the chapter two, chapter three based around, um, around the, the true importance of connection and, and how you go about doing it. And, and, and the, the one point that I think really stands out to me is that, that athletes generally want three things. Um, they want to know that you care for them. They want to know that, that you can help them and that they can learn from you. And they want to know that you can trust them or, or that, that they can trust you. Sorry, they want to know that they can trust you. And those three points with, with the 12 people that we spoke to throughout the book, that ran true with all of them. They, a lot of them came back with very similar thoughts about it. And when I, I look at that, if I was to explain, if I was sat in front of, in front of 500 coaches, I would hit on those points because that is, co- that is coaching, that is teaching. Because with athletes, they want to know that you care for them. They want to know that, that you have their interest at heart. Um, at the same time, they need to learn from you you need to be able to offer something of value and with the trust aspect the trust aspect takes time it's something that can take a long time to build and it can take it can take one moment to ruin it and as coaches we have to be extremely consistent in the messages that we send in the behaviors that we show and it could be something as simple as Look, I've showed that I care about you, and I've I've demonstrated that I can help and I can teach you, and we've built up this good relationship. And I've told you that I will never berate you for a mistake, and I'll never say anything bad if you make a mistake. But you've just you've just made a mistake in an important game, and really the game may not be of much importance. But you've made this mistake. And I've just jumped at you and I've berated you for that mistake. And you're, the inconsistency in the messages then means that the trust can be lost so, so simply. And at that point, it can be quite difficult to get that back because you've said one thing, but you've done another. And I think your actions, your actions have to follow your words. Um, but that would be, they would be three really important things for me. So do you care for me? Um, can you help me? And can I trust you, David? I love that because uh, that one of the one of the uh, little sub subheadings that I highlighted and underlined and took notes on was the alignment. You guys talk about alignment, mm-hmm. and, and you use that example in the book to say, "Yeah, you know, we're we're you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get all over you for for mistakes or whatever." And then you know, two weeks later. Uh, you're jumping down the kid's throat because they made a mistake and the alignment that the, the, um, 
the message that you're sending is just confusing and that's a such an easy way to lose trust. And I've, I've written some stuff on alignment. That's probably why it stuck out to me on just aligning um, relationally, aligning your message that you have all throughout an organization. So um, anyways, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I end with three questions, guys. Keith, I'll start with you. What are you currently listening to or um, reading that is helping you grow and stay sharp? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually listening to quite a few different podcasts, uh, sporting podcasts of all, of all different disciplines. So sporting podcasts, business podcasts. Give me, give me a name or two. Uh, the Coaching Manual is one of them. And uh, I've got uh, Dan Abrahams, who is the sports psychologist. Love it. David, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm more of a reader than I am um, a listener. To be honest, I, I'm actually uh, read a lot of books this year, but I'm, I'm currently uh, reading again, mindset by Carol Dweck. Yeah. Um, so for the, for the second time I'm reading that and I actually just got finished with a, a book called deep work by Cal Newport, which, which I enjoyed too. Both are great books. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Keith, uh, the second question I always ask is, um, what advice, what one piece of advice would you give a young person just getting in the coaching profession? Find an appropriate mentor, someone that will give you honest, true feedback and uh, will not hold anything back. Find them, search them, ask them, and listen to them. Drink deeply into the thoughts. Love it. David, what about you? It would be the same. It would be, it would be to find a mentor um, for the exact, exact same things that, that my dad mentioned. Um, but also along with that is, I think, letting go of the ego. Because having a mentor, um, if, you, if you have a mentor, you have to be open to, to the criticisms and the things that you can improve on. So uh, I think letting go of, of the ego a little bit and, and actually being open and receptive to, to listening and learning new things, um, vitally important for me. Okay, quick follow-up. So the young person says, hey, uh, David and Keith, I love that. Thank you for the advice. What are some tips to finding a mentor? What should I look for? What am I, what am, what am I in search of when I'm thinking through finding a mentor? Well, it's finding, finding the appropriate one, but uh, you might have to search and you recruit them. You, you recruit them. Don't let them recruit you. You go, and, you go and actually interview them. Ask someone, ring them up, be brave. Because mm -hmm. you'll be amazed at what can happen when you uh, when you're in a you know you're in that position where you want something. If you ask it in the right way, you might get the right answer. So be honest. You recruit, recruit your mentors. David, yeah, I would I I would echo that too. Um, I've I've actually over the past few months I I have a few mentors. I've over the past few months um, actually got another one. It was. It was something that I searched out and I went looking for. Um, I actually asked the guy to mentor me and he was more than happy to do so, which was, which was fantastic. But um, when you're looking for a mentor, I think you have to know what it is you're after um, as an individual. So if you want to be a better coach, a more effective coach, you've got to find somebody that can help you get to that point. So whether it be somebody who's at the top of the field whether it's a, an incredible teacher, um, whether it's a, somebody who, who's a master in communication, I, I think knowing what it is that you need to do to improve as well will help you find the right mentor. But for, for me, it was, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've had my dad as, as a mentor, but I've, I've also gone out and, and looked for and searched and found other people that have been absolutely massively influential in my life. Keith, what is David's number one strength? What's his best gift? His, his, uh, yeah. What's allowed him to be successful? Humble, extremely bright, wonderful learner. Uh, I'm blessed to have him in my life, but he's bright. 
intelligent. And what he does, he gets information and good leaders or good managers of men and the businesses of which David is, they get, they get complex information and what they do, they cut through the cut through to the chase quickly. They're very he's very good at making decisions. Extremely bright, very, very astute, very good with people, very humble and honest, hard working, but he cuts to the chase. Love it. David, same question. Your dad, what are what are the what are the what's the what's the skill that you see in him? What's the gifting that you see in him? What makes him special? <laughs> I'd need more than 10 minutes. Um, Let's say you got I mean, 30 besides, seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> so besides the knowledge, I mean, the, the amount of knowledge and experiences is, that he has built up and, and gathered over the many years of experience would be his willingness to, to help others and to actually influence others. And I, knowing my dad as I know him, I mean, we, we could... He's kind of, he, there's a chapter in the book called The Silent Whisperer. Mm. Um, and and I, I feel that is my dad that, that describes him. And he, he doesn't do it for, for himself. He does it to help other people. And the, the amount of people that he's impacted and influenced that, that people don't know about. I mean, we're talking uh, Pride of Britain award winners in the UK. We're talking world champion athletes. Uh, we're talking international athletes. It's... And not for any other reason, because he he has a, a just an ability and a want to to influence and influence and, and posit, influence and affect people in a in a positive manner. He, he does it with integrity, and I think that's the I think it's an unbelievable trait to have. Um, but that that would be that would probably be the big one. Love it. That's great. Okay, my last question. I always end with this one. Uh, and I ask both of you, what one coach would you love to hear on this podcast? You'd love to hear them articulate their story and talk leadership or talk uh, culture or recruiting philosophy or yeah. What, what one coach would you love to hear on this podcast? David? Uh, the person I would like to hear is a, it's a guy called Mark McCain. Um, he's actually one of my, my mentors. He's a, he's a friend. He's a family friend. He's somebody that we're, both my dad and I are unbelievably close to. Um, my dad actually met him on a course in Texas. He's, he's a successful um, business guy that, that people probably, I mean, people don't know because he keeps it to himself. But he, he's also been around the game in Georgia, in Atlanta. He was an ex-player um, and now owns a club, a club in, in Georgia called All In. Uh, and Mark is... He's an absolutely tremendous person. Um, he would be uh, he would be great to listen to. Um, I, I he has a, a poetic voice, along with a lot of knowledge and great advice. Um, I, I think he would be brilliant. That's great. Well, guys, um, thanks for hopping on. Thank you, Travis. Thanks for Thank having you, Travis. Me can, can we mention where you can buy the book from? Please do. Yes, David. Yep. Yeah, so the the book is available to purchase on mainly on Amazon. Um, we we released it on Amazon. There are companies now that are buying it in bulk from Amazon and putting it on their website. But I still think the the best place to get it would be Amazon. Um, so yeah, Goldust: How to Become a More Effective Coach Quickly would be best found on Amazon. How can we get a hold of you? Oh yeah. So uh, and if if anybody wants any more information or wants to know more about us we're on we're both on twitter uh, my my twitter is dj mayor three and uh, and my dad's i believe is keith mayor five yeah and we we also have a website uh goldustmentoring.com that's goldustmentoring is all one word dot com and uh what we what we've also done is we've got a we'll be we've got a podcast which will be uh, coming live over the next coming weeks called Goldust Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on and let's uh, let's stay in touch. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Travis. All right, guys, take care. 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm assuming if you made it this far that you enjoyed the conversation. Would you please leave a review and pass this podcast along to anyone else that you think might enjoy it? If you have any suggestions for the show, I'm always looking to to grow and to improve the show. Email me at Travis at KingdomCoachingTW.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, have a good one.